Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or a grocery store even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Oh. oh, hello. We are back and we are live. And if you are just tuning in and what's going on, um, I am not if a sniper. I am real Chris Olson. Chris Olson taking over the hosting duties this week. Um, Sean is still with us. If you can see the bottom of the screen, we have him for audio. He is um, on a trip, a, a bachelor party, so we hope he doesn't get too out of hand there. But we said to him, you know, you might maybe take a, a, a sabbatical for this one. He said, no, I really want to break down home versus lad. I really want to break this card oh. down. This is uh, uh, the me versus lad. See, I can't even do it right. Uh, this is my favorite card. So he's here with us on the audio Sean, how we doing buddy i'm good I, I i shouldn't be too out of hand i am on my way there now so maybe in the background you guys can hear the honking as i'm passing over the gw bridge the drogs neck bridge on my way into the poconos um but i didn't want to miss this card i i really enjoy talking to you guys busting you this chops this is one of the things that i look forward to so i'm not hosting but i can I can hold your hosting duties under a microscope the one thing i am gonna miss is the guys in chat so you know, if there's banter and people calling me out in chat or, you know, just, just funny comments, Chris, please don't don't miss out on those. I also really like that I got you to call yourself at Real Chris Olsen in the intro. Yes, yes. Not, you know what, though, Chris Lee? We got to give the, the millions of viewers a, a mental picture of Sean. He is cruising in his Mini Cooper with a blunt in one hand and a bag of pork rinds in the other. Yeah, he does down it right. He down it right. to this bachelor party. 
right? He's cruising and he's got his phone propped up in one of those um, holders in his car. That's and, uh, you know, he's going to be taking the pork rind break, taking a little, little, little hit off the blunt. And he's working his way slowly down to a, a hidden destination for the bachelor party of all bachelor parties. And, you know, we don't know all the details, but I'd be surprised if there wasn't at least one death. Um, so yeah, I'll be pretty surprised if I, if I hit the, I'm going to hit the nuts this week and never make it back. Oh That's my God. Happen. Wow. Well, I, I will, um, I will buy like, you know, like beneficiary insurance so I could cash on your behalf. So uh, I, I was asked a question in chat and then we'll get started. Did Joe find his way out of the woods in Minnesota? And yes, um, I did awaken at 4 a.m. this morning in my beautiful hotel over the flight path of Minneapolis St. Paul Airport. Um, to make my 6.40 ah. a.m. flight back to civilization. I do not know how people do it. Look, plenty of nice people in Minnesota. I get it. Um, but it's not, how do I say, for me. So um, I'm happy to be home. Um, I apologize to all of you who, who plan to see me on Alpha. Fred Apley did a solo pod, but we are ready to rock and roll. And we are glad to have Joe all to ourselves here. He picked a more important podcast to go to. We all know what that is. So, um, yeah, we're going to go ahead and get started here. Let me just say first to um, follow all of us on Twitter. I am at Real Chris Olson. Sean is at the DF Sniper. And Joe is at Sun Tzu. Um, uh, Before we get started, let me read um, the obligatory Chris, you're breaking up a little bit, volume-wise. Okay. I thought it was me. Sweet, because I'm on the No, right. it's, it's Chris. Am I good now? Yeah. Are, but I can, from memory, say, make sure everybody everybody go and subscribe to this podcast on <laughs> iTunes, Rotowire, <laughs> Rotowire MMA. It's a replay of a live podcast that we do on Fridays on the YouTube channel from Rotowire. So thanks to them. Go to rotowire.com slash free. 10-day free trial to all their premium content. No credit card required word if you are listening after the fact this is a replay of this live podcast it's gonna it will be on stitcher it will be on itunes um if you're not here live get it after the fact it will be on all your favorite podcasting platforms now how's my uh, level guys better now you're good okay okay um okay so with that and um hopefully with no other um Hiccups. We will start off the night with our first on the card. You're breaking uh, up again, dude. Breaking up again. Uh, here, let me let me try this. I'm gonna I'm gonna take I'm gonna take the headphones off. Hang yeah, on. why don't we do that? Hello. Yeah, we hear How's you. That? Better. Okay. We'll Headphones are gone forever. That's it. Okay, so now that we're um, going, we are on to our first fight. It is Benito Lopez at 7,700 taking on Vince Morales at 8,500. Betting lines for this fight, we have Morales at minus 125. Comeback on Benito Lopez plus 115. Um, I guess I will give my little spiel first, and then I'll throw it over to the guys Benito Lopez is sort of, he's an explosive kickboxer, but he's not very functional in there. What I mean by that is, I don't think he has a plan when he fights. I don't think his game is connected very well. 
Everything he seems to want to do seems very disparate. Uh, Vince Morales, on the other hand, is a pretty decent boxer, pretty nice in and out movement. He can grapple a little bit. Um, he's, he, he can do everything pretty well, but I prefer that to a guy who I don't really think has a plan. So I'm going with Morales here. I'm going to throw it over to uh, – let's go to Joe first. Joe, who you got in this matchup? Yeah, so this is interesting. So apparently Lopez opened – and again, I, I realize that openers are soft and you really can't get a lot of money down on openers. But from what I understand, and maybe Sean is – Sean can confirm this. Lopez opened at, I think, greater than a minus two-to-one favorite. Yeah, it was um, like minus 250. Yeah, in this fight, which, which is interesting how quickly the line flipped. Um, and now it's, it's, you know, it's, it's tightening up a bit, but, um, it's really interesting. I mean, Lopez was overmatched in his last fight. Um, you know, I did not look all that great. Obviously it was, um, you know, it was a daunting task for him. Um, I should also mention that, you know, Benito Lopez is in fact, um, Brett Apley's favorite fighter, our good friend, Brett. Um, and I say that tongue in cheek, he's been following this guy's career, you know, for a long time. But, I mean, look, Manny Bermudez is, is a tough out. Um, the fact that he got guillotined in the first round, I don't know that we should hold that against him. Um, you know, I'm not sure where either of these guys are going to go. Um, this is the first of six Team Alpha Male fighters. Um, if someone's got a minute while they're listening to this podcast and um, can look up what a a six-team alpha male parlay would pay and what an anti-alpha male parlay would pay. I would most appreciate it. Um, I'm going to go – I guess I'm going to go with Morales here for the slight ups. – I'm sorry. I'm going to go with Benito Lopez here for the smite up, slight upset. Morales is okay. I mean, he's not um, – he's okay. I guess that's the best way to say it. I don't know that there's anything wrong with that. He beat him on Zahabi by unanimous decision. Um I guess if you're going to look for something here by way of a narrative, he did not get finished by Yudong Song. Um, and he did win a fight in Bellator. He's got a deeper pedigree. He's also had some fights as an amateur. Um, uh, I'm on the fence about this. I'm on the fence here. I'll go with Lopez. Um, I don't understand the line flip, um, but I'm going to take Lopez here. Okay, uh, Sean, what do you think? Yeah, when it comes to that line flip, I say thank you, everybody, because I got Benito Lopez at plus money, and uh, I'll take that all day. I, I did minus two to one was too high, but I think there's some value, value at plus money. Look, uh, Chris hit on it, but I think he, Vince Morales is just okay everywhere. He's a, he's a well-rounded guy, close fight with Martin Day, um, tough guy. If he excels at anything, well, he doesn't excel at anything, but his best attribute is his boxing. That being said, Benito Lopez is the far more explosive striker, the better athlete, and he has some grappling. I think we got some recency bias coming on, going on from this uh, Manny Bermudez fight, who is one of the best grapplers in that division. Benito Lopez can grapple. He has guillotines. He has front chokes. Like he, he's could have a grappling advantage in this fight. And as I mentioned, he's the more explosive guy. Throws like, just more volume. There's, he has the higher ceiling both in his UFC career and in this fight. I don't know if I can go there in cash games, but I think he's a really good GPP play. I love his volume. I love the people are counting him out. I, I obviously think there's value there. I just he is the more UFC ready fighter in my eyes, even off that uh, after that loss. Um, and the the line value, I really think it's just recency bias here. I mean, Vince Morales hasn't done a ton to impress me. The other narrative that Joe didn't mention on Vince Morales' side is he is the cousin of co-headliner 
um, Ricky Simone. Did not know that. Take that for what you will. Um, this is the first time they're ever fighting on the same card together. Um, I still, I mean, there's always so much blood is going to do there. He's not the grappler that, that his, his cousin is. Give me Benito Lopez uh, to get this one down. If I, done. If I had to pick one, I think he's live to the knockout, but in all honesty, even though I'm playing a ton in GPP, the most likely outcome here is Benito Lopez by decision. Yeah, and this could be a really low-scoring fight. I mean, uh, uh, Morales only scored 60 in a decision win against, um, you know, in his last fight and, against Zahabi, and he got, he, in, two, in two UFC fights, zero takedowns. So you're not going to get any grappling points out of Morales. So I see this as kind of a low-floor fight, fight in general, and... The only reason I'm probably going to have some Lopez is for line value. That, uh, that makes sense to me. Okay, let's go on to uh, the next fight. We have Livana Souza at, um, sorry, I lost my place, 8,000, taking on the newcomer, Brianna Van Buren, at 8,200. Uh, betting odds on this fight. Uh, Renata Souza is at plus 105. Brianna Van Buren at minus 115. And we'll go to Sean first here. Um, I see this as kind of a close fight. Sean, how do you see it breaking down? Yeah, I have it pretty close. Um, so Brianna Van Buren won the uh, Invicta Phoenix Uprising tournament, you know, beating the likes of Kaylin Curran, some Indian chick I don't remember, and um, Joe, who's the other one? Was it Jamie Moyle? No. Well, she has a victory over Jamie Moyle. It was, um, was, it, it was Powell, right? No, no, it was Juliana Lima. Yeah, Lima, Lima, Lima. Um, look, she's a wrestler. She has the, the AKA DC connection. Lavina Souza, everyone's high in her, and I get it. She she beat. She's got a win over over uh, Sarah Froda. And God, I wish I had the. This is where the car is killing me. I think the first one is Alex Chambers, correct? Or her two UFC wins? Yes, yes, Alex Chambers, the other one. So neither one of those are super impressive. I know, I know, Sarah Froda was big, but she's like before that fight, we were all talking trash about her. I need to see a little more from Sosa. She's got a good um, BJJ game, and that's really her strength. Van Buren's a control wrestler. That's really where, what's interesting here. So you go two grapplers. I always favor the wrestler in that, assuming she can stay out of a submission. So Sosa's alive to a submission. Can't doubt that. On the feet, well, they're both, neither one of them are good. I lean towards Brian Van Buren to be a little quicker, a little quicker and a little slicker on the feet. If it should be one of those two grapplers stand and trade, I kind of lean towards her. Um, and in terms of high scoring for ceiling for GPPs, Van Buren's at the takedown upside. I think the only way that um, Sosa scores big is with the quick submission. And I don't like relying on that um, against a, a, a power wrestler because it means she's going to have to be in, in top position or she's going to have to get a sub from bottom position. She's not going to be in top position. So, I lean towards Van Buren in the fight. Super close. Can't knock anybody for taking Souza. But in terms of DraftKings, um, yeah, I am not very interested in this fight overall, but I'll have more Van Buren uh, just because it's that mid-range fight. These, these fights find their way into optimals more often than not. Um, so give me Brianna Van Buren, but I'll probably be underweight. Yeah, um, before I throw it to Joe, I realized I didn't, I didn't make a pick. And since I am the host, I can pretty much do what I want. So I'm going to go now. Um, I, I, I think I lead Van Buren here as well. Uh, I like the power wrestling. You know, a win over Juliana Lima is no joke. She was able to pick her up and, and uh, slam her, pretty much do whatever she wanted. 
uh, uh, the uh, Ivana Souza takedowns are, are very much more like head and arm throws, sometimes trips. In fact, in that Frota fight, she was pretty much just going for the same leg trip every time. And by the third round, Frota was was wise to it and just sort of sprawling out um, pretty much every time. Now, I do, I do agree with Sean that on the feet, I don't love either one of these women. I think that um, Van Buren bounces around a little more. She's in and out a little more. Uh, I think it's a little it's a little closer there. I agree with Sean. I think Van Buren is the play. I do think that this fight could score a little higher because the winner could uh, be getting a bunch of takedowns and maybe a sub. So I, I tend to go a little higher than Sean, but my pick is Van Buren. And now, Joe, if you would, please. Okay, so I honestly don't think it's that close a fight at all. Um, I, I am not going to belittle anybody who is one, who fights three times in one night and wins. But it, was, it wasn't exactly a murderer's row. I mean, the only reason Caitlin Curran lasted as long as she did in the UFC was because of her looks. I mean, you know, everybody, uh, including the ushers, beat her in, in, in fights. Um, I've been following Sosa since uh, all her Invicta fights. I watched most of them. She is, actually has a five-inch height advantage over Van Buren, who's only five feet tall. Um, Sosa is 13 and one. Her only loss is a split decision loss to, uh, Angela Hill. Um, I, I, Sosa should dominate here. I mean, if she plays the game at reach and selectively works for some of those throws, I mean, she's beaten natural 125 or she's going to be the far bigger woman, um, in the ring, uh, in the octagon. Um, I like her here a fair bit. And I, I do believe that this line is going to flip. It's currently plus 100. Um, I think this line is going to flip by fight time, so that will create some odds value for Souza. Um, I'll have a few shares of Van Buren because of her wrestling, but um, I like Souza. I don't see her getting finished. I see her as a really safe play for cash with a pretty solid floor, Souza, but um, I like her a fair bit to win here. All right, so a uh, little bit of – I wouldn't call that controversy, but maybe our, our – Maybe a, a first real disagreement of the night, but we move on uh, to the next fight, which is Jonathan Martinez versus Lu Pingwang. Uh, Pingwang is our favorite, 8,700. Martinez is the underdog, will cost you 7,500 as far as the odds go on this fight. Martinez is a plus 140 dog. Pingwang is at minus 150. I have to say, um, I like Jonathan Martinez a fair bit. I like him a fair bit as a prospect. Now, there's not a ton to his game. Basically, a kicking game and a a um, wrestling jiu-jitsu game. Not so much wrestling, more jiu-jitsu. In fact, he's, he's vulnerable to takedowns because I think he relies a bit too much on his scrambling game. I don't think that should be an issue against Ping Wong, who, you know, pressures you, has a little bit of a boxing game, can counter a little bit. But in his last fight, he was actually getting... Um, you know, chewed up a little bit by those those kicks from Martin Day, and I think they slowed him down a little bit towards the end of the fight, to be honest. I think Martinez can do a little bit of the same thing. I think Ping Wong is sort of untested, and I don't see anything in his game that I really love to threaten uh, Martinez, even if he did go to a wrestling game. I like Martinez to outscramble him, as he has done in his other fights, and yeah, I, I, just, I just like Martinez to win the day here, so I'm uh, taking the dog, and we will start with Joe for this one. Yeah, I mean, you know, Mart I guess Martinez looked good in his last fight against uh, Ouija Buren. He was a slight favorite in that fight. I'm not thrilled with the 
Sukhmatov loss. I mean, Sukhmatov can strike. Um, you know, that's one thing he has going for him. Um, Lou has not exactly had the hardest road, um, uh, you know, in this new tr invasion of Chinese fighters. Um, Martin Day split decision. Uh, I don't honestly remember much about that fight. He was a minus 185 favorite going into that fight. Um, Damon Stasiak, um, that was pretty much an even fight um, money-wise. I don't know what to do here, really. I'll have shares of both guys. I don't love the fight as a whole. Um, I think it's destined to end in a decision and likely low scoring. Um, so I'll, I'll probably have, you know, some shares. I mean, I'm not thrilled with, you know, I guess the pricing's fair, but I just, I don't, I don't expect I'm going to have a lot of this fight. And, uh, you know, Martinez as a dog at 7.5K is probably the preferred DraftKings play, although... Again, you know, he scored 76 in his last fight, which, you know, you'll take at 7.5K. So, you know, maybe that's something to look at. And I will probably have far fewer shares of, of, uh, of Lou. I'm, I can't see myself paying um, 8.7K. There's just too much value um, on this card. And he's only scored 74 and 56 in his two wins. So I'm going to go with Martinez. I'll have a few shares of Lou. I'd be shocked if this ended in a finish. I, this has got decision written all over it but give me martinez here for a slight upset all right so i'm heavy on martinez joe is martinez but not that sure uh sean got a definitive definitive take here <laughs> yeah and we're gonna be uh be splitting this because um i like uh, ping Wan lu a little bit here oh uh, to, to me the the issue is i think ping Wan lu is bigger i think he's Martinez might have a striking advantage in terms of being quick, but I don't think it's I'm, – I'm not overly concerned about it. And the grappling here, Pinguan Luke can grapple. And Joseph Martinez, if you can get him down, he does not look good on the ground to me. Um, That's I, surprising. I, Go ahead. I, I think that is going to be the issue in this fight. I think if Pinguan Luke can get it down, I think he could end up end in the finish. I think he's got the higher the highest ceiling for, for that reason. Sorry, guys. I'm going through a neighborhood here. Um, Sorry. Yeah, I, I just. I, By the way, he only has a one inch height advantage. Just FYI. Does he? It, then, if I unless I'm remembering it wrong, I thought he. I, I think he's going to be the thicker guy here. Good I mean, I think He's just going to be. He's thicker. definitely more muscle. That's for sure. Yeah. Right, and I just just to me, Martinez will win a striking based decision that, you know, isn't isn't terribly exciting. I think um, Lou has some upside here. I think, as I mentioned, he's got a grappling advantage. Yeah, give me uh, Ping Wen Lu. Uh, I'm not going to be overweight. It's not one of my core plays, but I'm not going to be shying away from him. So give me Ping Wen Lu. Um, I won't have a ton of Martinez. All right. Um, kind of surprising to me. I think that Martinez has the grappling advantage as well. But, uh, you know. Oh, he looks – really? Uh, yeah, I think – well, I mean, okay, he, he he plays guard more than I think he should. But that's just because he's so confident in his in his – Guard game, I mean, he swept burn at least three or four times in their fight. Um, I think he's comfortable off his back, maybe a bit too comfortable, as I said, but I, I like his jujitsu quite a bit, actually. So we'll see. That that might be a sticking point here. We we will see. I think I think if it goes to the mat, I think he's gonna be not be able to get back up. Hmm. All right. So that'll be an interesting thing to watch. Okay, next fight. Um it is everybody's favorite, um, the leg lock wizard Ryan Hall at eighty three hundred. Taking on Darren Elkins at 7,900. The odds for this fight are as follows as I vamp while I look for them. 
Welcome right. to my oh. world, my friend. Welcome yeah, to my right. world. I, you know, I never appreciated how, uh, how tough a job Sean had until right this second, but uh, we're getting through it. It is Ryan Hall at plus 105. Come back on Darren Elkins, minus 115. Um, I'm going to say at the outset here that I actually enjoy watching Ryan Hall. I think that puts me in the minority of fight fans. I but like not on this podcast. Oh, oh really? Wow. Okay. He's, well, he's different. And I, I do have to admit, the fact that he pisses people off gives me some pleasure. I, I, I agree 100%. So I'm, I'm glad I have at least one brother in arm there. We'll see how Joe feels. But uh, yeah, look, Ryan Hall, the reason why I think that, look, Darren Elkins has only been sub once in his career, if I remember correctly. And uh, it's going to, it would be hard. You might think, well, well, that's his only path to victory, Ryan Hall. And if Elkins doesn't get subbed, then it might be tough. The reason why I think Hall gets his sub here is because. Part of Elkins' boxing game is to make it dirty and connect with you. That's part of the way he fights, and that's all Ryan Hall wants. Ryan Hall comes up with uh, new and interesting ways to try and connect with fighters. He'll throw wild techniques like spinning back fits just so that you can advance and he can move in on you. Now, he'll do his Imanari roles too, but he has um, more more interesting ways to get a fight to the floor than someone like an Ian Entwistle did who just would sort of shoot and get himself knocked out. Um, I think Darren Elkins would, would probably, uh, I would say definitely have a boxing advantage, but Ryan Hall, when he does stay on his feet, he likes to stay at a long range kicking game. So I think he's going to be all the way in or all the way out until he gets what he wants. Now, Ryan Hall, um, you know, for, for DraftKings, it's not really that great usually not that great of a play because if he doesn't get his first round sub, he doesn't really get takedowns, as I said, and he's not a high volume striker. So that could end up with low output. I actually think he gets his first round sub here. I'm on Ryan Hall. I think this is a sub waiting to happen, but let's see what these guys think. And right now we will start with Sean. What do you think? Yeah, I pretty much agree with everything you said. The one thing I wanted to add is that, um, that one sub was against Dubronx, another submission specialist. That's the right. First thing Darren out. The first thing Darren Elkins does in that fight is take him down. Like, it was, what, what are you thinking? Not the best fight IQ. He's tough. I get it. Also on, on the decline of his career, it's more of an issue. What do you do for DraftKings? It's a mid-range fight. Ryan Hall's fights are going to go one of three ways. Quick sub for him. Eventually, he's going to hold on to his sub too long, a leg lock too long, get knocked the hell out. Or boring stand-up. I tend to think it's, it's, it's not going to be... Um, I, I pick and hold to win. I don't think Elkins is the guy to um, pin him down and, and and pound him out of there. Hall has shown uh, some toughness in his UFC loss. Um, yeah, give me Ryan Hall. Uh, Joe. Yeah, this um, this has the potential to be a very ugly fight. Um, Agreed. Right now, there is line value on Darren Elkins. Uh, he's minus 120 as, as we speak. Um, he has got an extremely... Solid. Oh, I'm sorry, the line flipped. Yeah, it's minus 120 Elkins. So there is line value now on Elkins. Um, <coughs> the other thing is, excuse me, um, it's very, very solid floor. I mean, even in a loss, the lowest point total um, in recent DraftKings history that Darren Elkins has ever had is 36. So, um, and this obviously doesn't go back to 2010 when he lost by Dubronx because. We all know there was no DraftKings back then. But in, in his all of his DraftKings lines, his worst score is 36 points. With line value, I have a feeling that Elkins is going to be pretty highly owned. Um, Hall, on the other hand, I see as being an all-ceiling kind of guy. 
I mean, you look at his last three wins, okay? Okay, so he he submitted, you know, the cocaine ghost of BJ Penn. Fine. Okay. Um, the in, in, ghost. in his two wins against Maynard and, Lo- and the GOAT, Lobov, 53 and 50. Do I want to pay 8.3K for 50 points? Not really. So if you're playing Hall, okay, he is a high ceiling, low floor kind of guy, and he better get the finish in the first round, possibly the second round, because he's not going to throw a lot of strikes, and he's not going to actually go aggressively wrestle for takedowns. So I'm going to pick – oh, gosh. Can I, can I really pick Darren Elkins? Oof. Um, Damn it. Damn it. You, can, you can pick Hall and say Elkins the better draft. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Even 35. With you. Yeah. Um, I feel bad for Darren Elkins because he has no friends because he had friends. They wouldn't let him get that tattoo across his chest. Um, so, yeah, I guess. Ugh. Okay, I'll pick Hall to win here. I mean, I, I would not recommend having a lot of shares of Hall on DraftKings, and I would sure as hell not recommend playing him in cash where. You know, Elkins has got that GPP upside. You know, he scored as much as 120-something points in a fight, um, and he's got a pretty stable floor. And as long as there continues to be odds value or line value here on Elkins, um, I would expect him to be fairly popular. So, um, yeah. Is that it? Yep. Oh, okay. I'll call it win, but I'm, I think Elkins is a far better – DraftKings play. Okay. Uh, it's sort of an abrupt ending from Joe. Sorry. Okay. Sorry. I was lost a lot. Oh, that's fine. Um, we will move on to our next fight, which is uh, Juliana Pena versus everyone's other favorite, Nico Montano. Uh, Juliana Pena comes in at 9,000. Nico Montano, the dog, at 7,200. Odds on this fight. Nico Montano comes in at plus 167. Pena is the minus 178 favorite. I actually think Nico Montano is a fairly underrated striker. I like her movement. I think she throws well in combination. My problem here is that the physicality of Pena, I think, is just going to be too much. I think she's going to be able to take her down at will. I think it's going to lead to a sub. I think if, if Montano can keep this on the feet, it's a closer fight, although I wouldn't give it to her outright. But I don't think that's going to happen. I think pain overpowers her, outmuscles her, gets her takedowns, and does whatever she wants. Uh, we will start with, and the first time I get to say this, the MMA chick whisperer. Joe, what do you think about this fight? Yeah, so the Venezuelan vixen, Juliana Lima, coming off almost a two-year layoff, um, which ha- which the which culminated in, in motherhood. Um, you know, the record of female fighters' first fight back um, from motherhood is not great. I do not have the stats in front of me. So this is very anecdotal on my part, but just, you know, looking at fighters who have come back from motherhood, I, I don't recall their records being that great. Let's be honest. Um, Juliana Pena was limited, you know, as a fighter. I mean, Val had a quite, had a pretty easy time with her. Um, Nico Montagna, on the other hand, I mean, she was DraftKings gold in her one stat line against Roxanne Modafari. Um, you know, putting up 158 DraftKing points, which included three takedowns, one reversal, and five advances. So, you know, and again, I don't know what level of training Juliana Pena's doing. I don't know what she feels um, she is going to accomplish here. 
Um, I really like 7.2K um, for Nico Montagna. I do not like paying up um, for Juliana Pena. So I am going to pick an upset here. I'm going to take uh, Nico Montagno. Um, I'm going to take her to win the fight, probably by decision, maybe by late stoppage if uh, if Pena gasses out. Um, but I'm, I'm sure as hell not going to pay 9K to have a lot of shares of Pena when, you know, her stat line is such that, you know, she hasn't really scored well on DraftKings in four years. And that was against uh, Dudeva and someone who is no longer probably even fighting. Um, so, yeah, I will, uh, I'll go with Nico here. Um, and honestly, you know, Penny has not exactly been a takedown machine herself. One, one, three, one. So we're talking six takedowns in her last four fights. That's not a takedown machine. So give me Nico for the upset here. It's a, it's a ceiling play. At seven point two k, although I do not, I'd be surprised if she got finished by uh, by Juliana early. Never know, but give me Nico uh, at seven point two k. Interesting, interesting. I'm going to point out just before I throw it to Sean that um, this is actually a long layoff fight for both. Nico Montano also hasn't fought uh, since that debut against Roxy Modafferi. She had some issues with the organization, and then I think she got a USADA. Um, she did. Uh, yep. Okay, so yeah, so long layoff for both fighters. We'll see how it plays out. Uh, Sean, who do you got here? Yeah, I have Lima. Um, I know Montano could be improving, but I, I got to see it. USADA concerns me. The narrative on Pena does does scare me. I also think she could just play the safe. She could get a takedown with her top game, just kind of lay there, not score a bunch of old school lay and pray. I'm pretty worried about that. I, I don't have much interest on, in Montano, even though I think she's live because I think there are dogs with much higher ceilings. Um, one who we already talked about, Lopez, two more coming up. That I don't, I don't need a ton of, my, uh, of Montano. Her path to victory is this kind of slow-paced stand-up decision, I think. Or, or you know, I don't think she's going to win all three rounds. I think if Montano wins, it'll be a really close fight. I want some pain because it's grappling-based, but like Joe said, she's not incredibly active. I'm worried about the layoff. Pena wins, but um, temper your expectations. All right, uh, you heard from Sean, temper your expectations. I like Payne a little more, but the point about her not being as active and not scoring well lately is granted. Okay, next fight up on the card is an interesting one and one where I know we're going to disagree a little bit. It is uh, Shaman Moraes at 8,400 versus Andre Feely at 7,800. The odds on this fight are uh, ooh, almost dead even. Uh, Plus 100, even money for Shane Rice. And Andre Feely comes back at a minus 110, according to five times. Now, I think this is a really good spot for Shane and Rice, uh, especially at this price. And I'll tell you why. I think that uh, Rice is probably the most explosive striker that Feely's ever fought. In his last fight against uh, Miles Jerry, he didn't have to do a whole lot, just stick the jab in his face and throw a low kick. That's not going to work here, specifically as we saw in the Sadiq Yusuf fight, that Shaman Marais is really good at checking leg kicks. Maybe, and I say this without exaggeration, maybe the best guy in the UFC at consistently checking those leg kicks. So that's going to be a problem. On the other hand, Andre Feely sticks that leg way out there. He's not much of a leg checker. And Shaman Marais is a demon kicker. And we saw him in the Sadiq Yusuf fight. We saw him as that fight went on. We saw him make reads and really was on his way to winning that fight until taking a hard shot in the third round, going down, and then um, you didn't have any other choice but give the fight to use up. 
But I think this is a good spot for Shaven Marais at a good price. I think he's going to be more explosive. I think he's going to hit harder. And I think he's just got the more developed game. Um, you know, we could see Philly go for those takedowns. I don't know how much joy he's going to have. Uh, he's not the most accomplished wrestler in the world, although he can get them. But I'm not too concerned about that myself. I am big on Shaman Marais here, but we will see what these guys think, and we will start with Joe for this one. Okay, so there is line value now on Feely, obviously, right? The line is flipped. There's line value on Feely. My, the nar- there's also some narrative that I really like about Marais. Um, You know, he did this camp in Thailand. The last time I faded a fighter who did his camp in Thailand, um, he, his name was Khalil Roundtree, and he just decimated your boy. Um, so, I, look, I, I think I – the problem is he's such a poor DraftKings play, um, Marais. He's never scored – he's never scored – you know, his high DraftKings score has been 67. Um, you know, and his other win, he scored 66. He's not a super active striker. He typically doesn't go for takedowns. He's got two takedowns in four fights. Feely, on the other hand, has been much more prolific a scorer on DraftKings. Um, Miles Drury, you know, 79, not great, not bad. A loss to Johnson, 32, is a split decision loss. And then in wins against Bermudez and Lobov, he scored 93 and 102. So, you know, Feely is the more prolific scorer. He's, he seems to be the more active striker. He will occasionally go for takedowns. He had five against Lobov, four against Bermudez, two against Johnson. And then for whatever reason, no, none of us really understood why he, he just kept it. I guess he was afraid of Miles Drury's jujitsu, um, but he, it was totally a stand-up fight. So, you know, but he did land 98 significant strikes. Um, so at 7.8K, if you're looking for 10X, you'd probably take the 79 points. And again, there is line value now, given that the odds flipped. However, I'm going to pick Marais to win, um, but I think it's going to be a really boring, low-scoring fight. So I think Feely is probably the fighter with more upside on DraftKings. And I think he's going to be higher owned because of the line value. So I'll pick Marais to win, but I think Feely might actually be the better DK play. All right. Uh, Sean, what about you? Yeah, I like Feely a bit here. I got him once the line, I got him before the line flipped at plus money. Um, look, Shin Marais is live. I'm not going to fade him. And I do think if he wins, it'll be a knockout. I think that's his best chance. He has, he does have power. Um, and to catch Feely early. Marais has slowed down. I know he's doing this camp in Thailand, and maybe that'll help his cardio. We'll see. Feely with a takedown game, I think. While Shaman's got a good get-up game, I think that really could help for DraftKings scoring. I'm getting a sense we could see some rinse and repeat takedowns. I like Feely on the outside using his movement. Um, Marais has kind of that, you know, the Muay Thai, a little bit of a plotting style. Um, he is the more technical power striker. Just I like Feely's movement. I like the potential for grappling here. There's a lot to like about Andre Feely for me, um, but I can't fade Shaman Marais flat out. The odds value here, I do think Feely will be chalk, so I'm going to eat a little bit of chalk here. I like Andre Feely. Don't mind the sprinkle of Shaman in GPPs. I will say that um, I take the point that Marais has historically been a low striker. I think this is his coming out party. I'm going to uh, save – well, I, you may have already guessed it, but I'll formally announce it on Hot Takes um, – but for right now, we're going to move on. Although I, I, I will say, if Shaman, if Shaman wins this fight after this Thailand camp, like he looks like a new fighter again after Khalil Roundtree, I, there's going to be 20 fighters in Thailand. Like yeah, Monday, I know. Monday. 
They're all going to get on the bus. That's right. Um, okay, so the next fight up um, should be a barn burner. Uh, could be a, a high-scoring match either way. It is uh, John Allen taking on slow Mike Rodriguez. Rodriguez is the big drafting favorite here, 9,400. John Allen uh, as the debuting fighter, 6,800. Odds on this fight uh, reflect that. Mike Rodriguez, minus 410. John Allen, plus 365. Um, I, I think, let me say on the, in the outset, I think Mike Rodriguez wins this fight. I think these odds are very wide for two kickboxers who are just going to throw at each other until somebody falls, which is what I think is going to happen. Uh, we've seen Mike Rodriguez. Uh, he had a tough loss to Devin Clark. John Allen is, is not a takedown guy from what we have seen, so he shouldn't have to worry about that. Um, the reason I'm picking Rodriguez here, I just think he's a little more, he has a, a little better understanding of range. Uh, John Allen, even in that, uh, uh, Vincius, uh, Marais fight that he had on the contender series tends to swing really wide. I do like the fact that he does body head work, but he tends to swing really wide. And we've seen Mike Rodriguez catch guys on counters before. I just think he's, he's the better put together striker. And I also think he's vulnerable to leg kicks, uh, John Allen, that is. So I think both those are two big keys in Mike Rodriguez's favor here. But as I said, I like John Allen's body head work. He hits hard. Uh, Mike Rodriguez could get knocked out here, make no mistake about it. But I think that the more likely outcome is Mike Rodriguez puts Josh Allen, John Allen to sleep. Rather, I like him a uh, fair amount here, although, again, I do think the line is closer. But we'll see what these guys think. And we will start for Sean uh, for this one. How are you uh, seeing this? Yeah, I think the line's about right. I think Mike Rodriguez should run through Allen, who, um, or Alon, I think, I think it's Alon, I think. I could be wrong. I'm going to say fancy, and if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. All right, go um, He could not finish Vinicius Moreira on the feet. Couldn't do it. And then he got taken down and subbed. I mean, th- that's fine. But stand-up fight with Mike Rodriguez. Mike Rodriguez, the better kickboxer, 205ers. I, I, I suspect this fight's not going to last a long time. It gets out of the you know pass if it the over one and a half hits it could be really sloppy overall. Um, I'm not saying go all in on Mike Rodriguez, but it's not super hard to fit the most expensive fighter on the card in your lineups this week. So give me plenty of Rodriguez. I do think he gets it done early in this one. Um, just just a better fighter here. See, we definitely have some contention there, which is odd because we're both picking the same guy to win the fight. But I, I just I just don't see this as the runover that you do. Sure, he couldn't. He could, I, I think this happens a lot with fighters. You know, we, he lost to a guy who, you know, is limited. But, you know, uh, his opponent here is not going to have a takedown game. And that's why he lost another fight. So I'm not I'm not even I'm not really sure how that's relevant here. I'm just saying um, Allen is still dangerous. I think he's very, very dangerous. And I think Mike Rodriguez has to be careful. Yeah, um, I don't think the line is wide enough, honestly. Uh, oh, this is, this is, uh, we, this got, is, we got one, two, we got one, it's too wide. We got one is about right, and one, it's way the hell off. Yeah, this is this is a gimme. Um, the UFC is feeding him, this guy. Uh, the fight with Jean Vellante would have been a much better fight, obviously. That's a fight that fizzled. I guess Vellante got hurt. Um, honestly, man, this guy, Alan, like, when do you see a guy with five losses making his UFC debut? This is a tailor-made fight for for Mike Rodriguez. I mean, it's gonna it's gonna remain standing. Oh, did anyone mention the seven and a half inch reach advantage that he has? No. Seven and a half inches, dude. He's got an eighty-two and a half inch reach at six four, and at six three, Allen's only got a seventy-five inch reach. Come on, guys, 
Yeah, now my only fear here is that he knocks them flat in the first round, and I only get a hundred points because you know I'll get the ten points for the knockdown and the ninety for the finish. That's my fear here. I think this line could be six seven to one. Now I get it. You know, people are going to say, "Aha, six seven to one for a guy with you know one UFC win." This other guy, thirteen and five, and his wins are all against Cans. At least Rodriguez is a finisher. When he fights Cans, he finishes him. Rodriguez all day, every day. And to Sean's point, with with the line value out there, it should not be that hard to get him in a lot of your lineups. So just just um, to, to satisfy my curiosity, at 6,800 and a heavy-handed kickboxer, you guys aren't hedging at all at 6,800 in this fight. You're going no, 100%. If I'm going to hedge somewhere, it's with Wellington Terman, but we'll get there. I, I totally agree with Sean. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, I, I'm not going to say, like, I, I'm, a, I'm a multi-entry player. So will I have a share? Yeah, of course. I have a share of everybody. But, like, I'm not going to have more than 1% or 2%. All right. Well, I, I am, am still going to caution players to hedge a little bit, but uh, that will have to remain a point of contention as we move on to our next fight, which is Marvin Vittori at 8,600, taking on Cesar Fajera at – or Fajera, rather, at 7,600. Uh, uh, lying on this fight, uh, Vittori comes in – Minus 150. Cesar Ferreira comes in at plus 140. Uh, I think it, it might be surprising to see Vittori as the favorite here. At least it was for me. I know Ferreira has, has slipped a little bit of late. You know, not only does he lose to Ian Heinish, but he didn't look look great against Nate Marquardt in his um, last fight, even though he did win that fight. Um, here's the, here's my problem with Ferreira is that he, he's, a very, he's a very predictable kickboxer. It's basically just a straight left hand. And a body kick. And I, as we've seen, I mean, the reason I picked Fahea against Ian Heinish was because I thought he would get his sheriff take down the top position, and he did, and he couldn't do anything with it. That troubles me. Marvin Vittori is a at least a decent grappler. He's got a decent boxing game, a decent kicking game. My problem with him, he doesn't move his head. I saw some grumbling there. I heard some grumbling there. We'll get to it in a minute. Uh, he does a sneeze from Joe. Vittori doesn't move his head. He kind of stands right in front of you. I still think he's going to be able to pour the pressure on Fahea. And I think that if Fahea can't get his takedown game working, or or uh, more properly stated, if he can't get his jiu-jitsu game working, he's going to be in for a little bit of trouble here. Close fight for me. I have a feeling Fahea is going to be um, a, a little bit popular as the dog here, as the more experienced fighter. Uh, the more proven finisher for sure. I think I'm going to go Vittori just by a slight margin, but this is a close fight for me, kind of a toss-up. Uh, we'll start with Sean. What do you think here? Yeah, I'm going to lean towards uh, Vittori in this one. The problem with Mutanchi is I don't know how he gets this fight to the ground. Vittori has got good takedown defense. Stood in there with um, Omari Ekmedov, didn't get taken down a ton. Um, decent striking, and we've seen Tejeda with you know, chin issues. He's changed his style a lot to kind of protect his chin, but I'm still worried about it if he gets in a striking match here. So I hedge Vittori that way. I think it's going to be a stand-up fight. Even if Fajera's chin holds up, Vittori should win the stand-up. Um, if it, it's, I'll have a couple shares of uh, Mutanchi because if it hits the ground, uh, he's got a good sub game, even if he didn't look good against Heinish. I don't think Vittori's grappling is quite there. I think Vittori's strength is keeping it up. Um, which is what I think will happen. So we'll have both sides. I'm not terribly interested in this fight in DraftKings. I don't think I don't see a quick finish here. Um, I don't think Mutanchi is going to be able to run through him. 
So um, unless the chin is totally gone, the, the one person who could put up a hundred would be Vittori. So I'll have some more shares of him. But uh, overall, I think I have Marvin Vittori winning this fight. Okay. Um, next fight up. Sorry. Oh, how about, do I get whoa, to make a pair? Oh, whoa, oh, whoa, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead, Joe. Um, Thank you. I appreciate that. We, we were gonna we were gonna just slide by this time, but you okay. couldn't. So, so uh, look, I think you know, I think uh, Mutanch has a fairly solid floor. Um, you know, even in his losses, 41, um, you know, 27, um, he's got a solid floor. Uh, and if he wins, there's definitely upside with all the grappling points. So I will have shares of him. I'm not sure what to make of Vittori. I mean, I'm not crazy about his price um, at 8.6K. The, the value is clearly with Mutanch. Um, what are we, did we give the odds here? I think we're looking currently at, uh, minus 155, Vittori come back on on Ferrara, on Mutanch is plus 135. Um, you know, maybe those odds will tighten up a little bit. I think, you know, Mutanch is live. Um, I don't know. Again, Vittori has been out for a while. I do like that he trains at Kings. Um, I think that is a, a good camp for him. Um, and he has looked good. He, he was able to, you know, take down uh, Adesanya, which, you know, we know is kind of his kryptonite. Um, oh, gosh, I want to pick Mutanch here to get the upset. I mean, he's 34 years old, though. He's, he does have a four-inch reach advantage. I don't know that that's going to matter here. Um, got a 15-month layoff. Ah, okay. Um, yeah, well, why not? I'm going to go for the upset here. I'll pick, uh, I'll pick Mutanch. I like 7.1K. I like his floor. I think his ceiling is good. Um, I'll go with, uh, I'll go with Mutash for the 7.6 K price tag. Yeah. You know, I can't argue with it. As I said, uh, more experienced fighter, more proven finisher. Uh, we know he has a skill set to get, uh, fights done, even though he hasn't recently and, uh, should be an interesting fight. I'm excited to see that one, but for right now, we are moving on. We are going to Carl Roberson at 9,100, taking on another newcomer. Uh, uh, what is his first name is Wellington. Huh? Wellington. 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 Thank you. Wellington Thurman at uh, 7,100. The line on this fight is Thurman coming back at plus 185. Carl Roberson at minus 200. Now, look, I think we, we can all pretty much agree that Carl Roberson has shown himself to be the real deal on the feet. He's a good, powerful kickboxer. He's very good. I think underrated at um, – Dodging strikes and countering, I think he's very good at that. Problem is that we've seen in the UFC that when he's come against grapplers, he hasn't done well. He's been subbed out against Mitachi, as we just mentioned, against Glover Teixeira. Um, and look, Thurman is is a really single-strike, lungy kickboxer, but he has his takedowns. He can get takedowns against the fence. He's very strong. He can use the body locks. And... It, it's going to be hard to trust Roberson if he does end up on his back because of how we've seen him before. Um, having said that, if he can keep it on the feet, I think he's able to do going to be able to do a lot of damage here. I think his advantage on the feet is is you know very large, but uh, you know he's going to have to deal with these takedowns, and we're going to have to see. I think what I'm going to do here is I'm going to give the edge to Roberson, and I'm going to say he knocks him out of here. I, I'm not going to. Thurman does have a takedown game. I don't think it's consistent enough. Uh, again, he needs it against the fence. He's not much of a double-legger. I think Roberson should be able to use his footwork, at least somewhat, 
So I'm going to go Roberson here, but again, there is a well-recognized pass for Thurman. Uh, Sean, what do you think about this? Yeah, um, that Wellington Thurman is 22 and 15 and two. So um, yeah, he's he's Brazilian. That's, that's <laughs> what you can chalk that up to. Um, look, Roberson should um, torch him on the feet. He gets he's he's willing to strike, but it's because he's fighting cans. Um, I think he's as a grappler who's too comfortable with the striking. Um, if he does that here, he's going to get knocked out. We've you mentioned the issues Roberson's had. Now those are really high level grapplers he's fought. Um, at least in Glover Teixeira, which you can argue he won that fight because Teixeira was definitely out for a minute, hit the canvas, you know, woke back up, but neither here nor there. Um, yeah, I Roberson should finish him, but this is where I'll hedge a little bit because if the fight hits the mat, I think Roberson's in big, big, big trouble. Um, but yeah, Roberson should finish this quick. It's minus 190 to end inside the distance. I like this fight qu- quite a bit for GPPs because I think one way or another, it is going to end inside the distance. Um, but Roberson is the preferred play and really should get a quick knockout here. Uh, pretty much agreed on all counts. Uh, I think that is the standard dynamic. Joe, you have a different take or are you pretty much leaning in that direction? Not really. It's just how you play this fight. So Roberson has a floor of two and a ceiling of 107 in his, uh, in his UFC career. So uh, this is not your definition of a cash fighter here. Um, the one, the only point I want to make about about um, Wellington is that in his two losses, his two losses were against fighters that had a, a thirty and six combined record, so they weren't really bad losses. And he does have a path to victory here, so it's worth having a few shares of him in GPPs. But this is strictly a GPP fight. I think you need exposure to it for that reason. Um, I will pick Roberson to win, but just be cognizant of what his floor is. All right. And okay. Now we're going to go to what I view as a really interesting fight. It is, uh, Mursad Bektic versus, uh, Josh Emmett. Bektic is the favorite at 8,800. Josh Emmett coming in as, uh, maybe somewhat of a surprising underdog at 7,400. The odds on this fight are, uh, Emmett as plus 135. Mursad Bektic is a minus 145 favorite. Um, I am a big fan of Josh Emmett. I've said it on this podcast before. I think his, I think his combination of, of quick movements in and out and power is pretty rare. I think guys generally have one or the other. We've seen Emmett with literal one shot fight ending uh, power. Uh, Sean, did we lose you? No, that was me honking at somebody uh, on the GW. Okay. <laughs> There you have it, folks. You got a live report on the road there from so Sean. I, I, yeah. I will say, if you're not using, if you're not using ways, you really should be. I know yeah. it's that's like something from four years ago, but definitely just saved me at least two hours. There you go, and and a little bit of a a little bit of a, a pl- an unsponsored plug there as well. But uh, should sponsor this podcast. That's right. Yeah. Hey guys, hit us up. We just gave you some free advertising. But uh, getting back to the fight, I, I think that uh, we've seen the Josh Emmett power on display. In a few fights, uh, most recently, of course, in the Michael Johnson fight, where nothing was really happening until Emmett knocked him flat. Uh, the thing about Mursad Bektic is, even if he does have an advantage on the feet, which I'm not so sure about in this fight, he just loves grappling. He can't help himself. We saw that, of course, to his detriment in the Darren Elkins fight. And we also saw it uh, to a lesser extent in the Ricardo Lamas fight, where he probably c- could have done more in that fight, but just... Uh, 
chose to take the fight where he, he was a little bit less of a favorite, if not uh, 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 unequal footing. I like Emmett to, to do his little in and out darting. I, I like him to get quick strikes in. I don't think that Mirchak Bektic can control him on the ground. He's been a notoriously tough guy to take down. I like Emmett. I think this is probably going to be one of those fights where you get like a like a, a, a decision that doesn't have a lot of strikes in it. Uh, I don't think many guys are going to have success on the ground here. I think this is going to stand up the whole way. I do expect Emmett to edge it out. But for me, although it is a very interesting fight as a fan and to watch, I think on DK, it leaves a little something to be uh, desired. But, uh, Joe, you agree with my take, or, or are you uh, talking yeah, I mean, it, it could very well be that way. Look, I mean, you know, Bechtick, neither one of these guys are super active strikers, right? Bechtick gets the majority of his points through grappling. I mean, he is not, in DraftKings, he has not thrown, he has not thrown more than 60 significant strikes in – you know, any of his fights. So if you take away the grappling points, um, you're not going to get a very high score. With that said, um, you know, his floor has been pretty good. I mean, even in his loss, you know, obviously his loss to the damage, he scored 74 points um, in a fight that he was winning. And, you know, honestly, you know, he's only got one loss in his UFC career. So, um, you know, this is like, if Bechtick wants to move to the next level, um, he's going to have to, impressively defeat Emmett. With that said, you know, we all know what Emmett can do. It's Emmett has got less of a floor. Um, he certainly has as high a ceiling. And at his price, you know, you certainly want to target him um, in GPPs. However, the risk here is that if this is purely a stand-up fight and it goes to decision, this could be an ugly scoring fight, um, you know, for that very reason. You know, um, neither one of these guys are prolific strikers. It looks like the most strikes, well, he did have a lot against Holtzman, but if you if you take out the Holtzman fight, it's 67 is the most strikes, significant strikes that were landed by Emmett. So neither one of these guys are high octane. Um, and it looks like, you know, his grappling has kind of tailed off. He got eight takedowns against Holtzman and only has one takedown um, in his next Five fights. So it doesn't look like Emmett's going to be I, – I, I still think that Bechtick will have the wrestling advantage. I'm going to pick Bechtick to win here um, just because I think he realizes what he has to do. Um, I'm not sure I love the move to TriStar. I wish he actually went back to ATT because – you know, Tri Stole my thunder. You yeah, stole my thunder. TriStar is, is kind of a point-fighting gym where ATT is like the hottest gym right now in MMA – um, you know, so I, that worries me a little bit, but I'm still going to take back back to win here. Okay. Uh, Sean, what do you think? Yeah. That Amir said Bechtick went to one of the, the, not one of the worst gym for DFS there is. Um, I don't really, I, I kind of think Josh Emmett might actually have a grappling advantage. Throwing, no. around Scott, throwing around Scott Holtzman the way he did is, was impressive to me. I don't think Lamas hung in there. Uh, I, maybe you won't have the advantage. It's it's even. I don't think Bechtick has any kind of advantage that anybody could bank on, at least in my opinion. The biggest worry I have about Josh Emmett is the chin, which from two fights ago, that vicious knockout against Jeremy Stevens, we talked about it a lot leading up to the Michael Johnson fight, and he was definitely tentative for the first round. And that's always going to be the worry with him, at least until we see him take a couple clean shots in a fight. Um, and Bechtick could put him down. Skill for skill, though, I like Josh Emmett. Man, that dude hits hard. 
I think it's definitely the toughest taste, the toughest test Mirsad Bektik is going to have as well. I don't like the camp move. Close fight, I lean Josh Emmett, but because of really the camp move and the pricing, that you know either one of these guys could get a finish. Give me the cheaper guy. I think Josh Emmett's the better play on DraftKings. Um, yeah, so sign me up for, for uh, Josh Emmett. And let's all hope his chin holds up. Yeah, and um, speaking of chin issues, I said this in chat, but just just I think it bears repeating on the pod. Uh, that's seven knockdowns for Josh Emmett in his last four fights. Granted, uh, four of those came in one fight, but he's had one knockdown in each subsequent fight. And look, speaking of chins, if you're if you're worried about Bekdich, uh still coming off the Elkins thing, which I know some people are, I think that's something that to take uh, into consideration too. I do think Emmett is going to be super chalky. But that doesn't mean he is not worth a look, and I do think he is worth a look, and a strong one at that. But now we are coming up to the co-main event of the evening. It is the California Kid, the return of uh, Uriah Faber. Let's not waste time here, guys. Uh, the, we should not be wasting time. The, um, uh, he deserves a little bit of an intro. Come on. Um, Uriah Faber coming back as a big dog at 6,900 against uh, Ricky Simone at 9,300. Odds on this fight. Uh, reflect the DraftKings pricing. Uriah Faber plus three hundred five comeback. Ricky Simone minus three thirty five. Um, I, I, as as uh, Sean alluded to there, I don't think there's a whole lot to say here. I think that um, history has shown when Uriah Faber can't get his takedown game going, he really struggles. I think that's going to be the case here. I think Simone's going to put a pace on him. I think Simone's boxing is ever improving. It might be a little tough for Simone to make uh, that salary, but I think that. He's going to have enough in his takedown game. Look, uh, Faber hasn't really been taken down a lot, but every dedicated wrestler who has tried to take him down has been able to. Frankie Edgar, Dominic Cruz, etc. So I like Simone here, even at the elevated price. Um, he is my pick. I don't think there's too much more to say. I will throw it to Joe to see if he has anything to add. Joe? I was really impressed with what Simone did to Ronnie Yaya. I did not think he would be able to. You know, two knockdowns, four takedowns, two advances, 103 DraftKings points. Um, you know, I like Simone here a fair bit. I, I, you know, Faber. I don't. I don't think this is a really good matchup for him. I, I guess I don't understand. I, you know, I get with with five other alpha male fighters. You know, you might as well have the leader fight. But like, I don't know why they didn't give him somebody beatable. I, I just think he could get embarrassed here. Um, in this fight by Simone. With that said, um, you know, it's likely to go to decisions. So in order for Simone to score and earn his 9.3K, he's going to have to get grappling points, um, which I think he can against against Uriah Farber. Um, it's just I would not count on a finish. That's, that's the key here, which is why at 9.3K, I don't see him as good as of a GPP play as, say, Mike Rodriguez. I would probably rather pay up up the hundred and, and play Mike Rodriguez, but certainly I think he's probably the better cash play at nine point three k. But give give me uh, give me Rodriguez. I'm sorry, give me Simon. Okay, uh, give me Simon and, and Sean. Based on your intro, I take it you don't have much of a different take. But let's see, let's throw it to you. What do you think about this? No, I mean we're on the same page. Can you imagine Ricky Simone putting a pace on a forty year old Uriah Faber <laughs> like this? I know they're, they're small guys, but I'm a little worried about it. Fighting's a young man's game, especially in the lower weight classes. It doesn't matter. Joe hit it on it. How much is he going to score? Mix him in. I won't be overweight because he should be super chalky. 
Um, no interest in favor. Give me Ricky Simone. Okay. Well, as as uh, as promised, that was a short and tidy uh, sum up from Sean there, and that will take us to the main event of the evening. It is Aspen Ladd at eighty nine hundred taking on uh, a returning Jermaine Durandamy at seventy three hundred. The odds on your main event. Uh, Aspen Ladd is a minus one thirty five favorite. Jermaine Durandamy plus one twenty five underdog. Um, the big story coming out of way is today, if you aren't aware, Aspen Ladd had a, had a rough cut. Uh, I, I, not her first one. She was. Uh, <laughs> That's an understatement. The, she was. She was shivering on the scale. Having said that, we have seen her uh, have these bad cuts and come into fights and look fine. But uh, it is something to take advantage of. Uh, I'm sorry to take note of. A uh, little Freudian slip there, maybe to take note of. Um, as far as my pick goes. Look, I think it's worth noting that everyone Aspen Ladd has fought in the UFC thus far have been people who are very willing to tangle up with her. Uh, you got uh, uh, even somebody like Lena Landsberg, who, you know, isn't a grappler, but she likes to tie up with you on the fence. And the, our other two opponents, uh, Sajara Eubanks and, uh, oh, who was it? Who was, who was before Sajara, guys? Avenger. Tiny Avenger. So they're, they're all grapplers. They're all willing to tie up. That's Aspen Ladd's strength. She's not much of a boxer. She short arms a lot of her punches. I think G, uh, GDR, although she's certainly not a fan favorite based on, you know, the whole cyborg stuff and not wanting to defend and all that. Um, she's still a very skilled kickboxer. She keeps her range well. And she has been, I think Sean's going to have something to say about this, but the fact remains that she has been somebody to stuff takedowns of late and she's been doing it with technique um she's very strong come on I, well i i'm gonna throw it to you i promise you you're, you're gonna get you're gonna get the first one but uh I, she's very strong she um as i said she keeps her range well and i think her advantage is pretty overwhelming on the feet of course if lad could get this down it's a different fight i expect her takedown defense to hold up i think you know what sean thinks about this but we will throw it to him now to um, let him flesh that out a little bit. So have at it, Sean. I w- What's interesting is most people I've seen are picking GDR, but Atlad is still the favorite, which is which is interesting. We'll see how the line moves after you know the weigh-ins today. Look, obviously Durandamy is the best striker Lad has faced. Lad is hittable. Jermaine Durandamy, I don't have it in front of me. She has not faced good competition as of late outside of Holly Holm a fight that I think she should have lost with those strikes late after the bell and close fight anyway. Um, yeah, she stopped takedowns from Holly Holm, Anna Elmo's. Like, she's, she's, Aspen Ladd is the, is the best takedown threat in that bunch. What's interesting is when they get in, and Durandamy wants to be in the clinch. That she does damage in the clinch. So what's going to be interesting here, at least to me, is when they're in the clinch, what happens? Is Durandamy... Um, getting a, a tied plum clinch and beating her up there or is Aspen Ladd able to throw her around? That's really what I think, where I think this, this fight comes down to. Um, I, I was leaning Aspen Ladd. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to just digest what I saw at weigh-ins. That was, that was ugly, but we saw this. Um, I was telling Chris before we started, Cynthia Calvillo came uh, to mind with, with how, she looked at a way in and then bounced back just fine. Lad has had tough cuts. Lad is strong. She gets on top of Durandamy. I think she's going to finish her. We have five rounds to work. Durandamy's just not a ton of output. She can go five rounds and score 70 points. She's done it before. So 
while people are confident in GDR, I think, I think, especially in GPPs, I like Lad because no one's going to be on her. I believe her in her. She needs to get this nutrition and weight cut under control. I really like her skills. I'm not on the GDR train. Um, so give me Lad. I will say in cash, I'm unsure enough that I think the stack is plenty viable because um, Durandon is going to be very popular. And even, you know what, I will say in cash games, as much as I like Lad tournaments in cash games, Durandon me is probably getting in the cash lineup before Lad. Hmm. Well, I am a big fan of the contrarian payup. So if you like Lad to get those takedowns, I don't personally, but if you do, it makes her a viable play. Joe, what do you think? Well, GDR is now plus 120. <laughs> At 7.3K, um, plus 120 is tremendous odd value. Tremendous odds value. I think it's going to flip after way because the way it's going to keep going all the way tomorrow, I think it'll flip. By, by yeah. Um, you know, now with that said, the ceiling is not great on GDR. Um, you know, even if, if Lad comes in, like, I think that distance is her friend, um, which means that if she's smart, she'll, she'll clinch up. Um, she'll kind of relax. She'll let Aspen Lad tire herself out. Um, I don't believe Lad has ever been five rounds. Um, you know, at 7.3K, um, you know, I'm going to – oh, gosh. I, I'm picking upsets with these female fights. I got Nico, and now I'm going to pick GDR. Um, the weigh-in kind of sealed it for me. How she looked at the weigh-ins sealed it. I, would I be surprised if, if Lad just rides GDR down and ground and pounds her? No. However, you know, she's Lad is not a great striker standing. Like, like all of her damage comes in ground and pound. So if she can't get her down, this could be a really ugly fight. And I could certainly see, um, you know, GDR winning like a, a three to two type of decision over five and not scoring very well. With that said, that, that puts an incredible amount of risk on, on Aspen Ladd at 8.9K, um, you know, with the weight cut narrative. So I'm going to pick GDR at 7.3. But I would say, to Sean's point, you know, GDR in cash and Aspen Ladd in GPPs. All right, um, and now it is time for everyone's favorite portion of the podcast. That is Hot Takes. I am going to start by reading one in the chat that caught my eye that I like a lot. Um, this is from Dave Bayana. Hot Take, highest scoring fighter will be under 8K, which I think is very interesting. Uh, Tom Green says Sousa will be the slate breaker. Um, so those are two interesting ones. Uh Anybody got one? Anybody ready to go? Yeah, I'm ready to go. All three, all three female fights will be won by underdogs. Ah, there you go. All we're, right. going under, we're going underdog heavy for this. Um, I'm yeah. going to say the winning DraftKings lineup has three fighters priced 7,700 or below. Okay. Okay. And Money I'm, on the table. I'm going to say that uh, Shaman Rice gets his first finish in the UFC. Um, let's, make, let's make it a second round knockout, head kick knockout of um, Andre Felix. Awesome. Cool. And, okay, guys, um, that is uh, it for this edition of Fight IQ. I hope that uh, you enjoyed my, my one-week uh, foray into the hosting uh, arena here. No, no, nothing broke, nothing exploded, so I feel like I did a pretty decent job. Hey, hashtag um, bring Sniper back. That's, well, hashtag get Sniper back here. Get back from that uh, bachelor party in one piece, you maniac. Hashtag yeah. the real Chris Olsen get better headphones. Uh, yeah, well, I, well, that's for sure. Not not only even for that, but they hurt my ear when they clamp. But uh, that's, another, that's another thing. Um, guys, do me a favor. If you like 
what you see here, uh, like this podcast. When you, if you see it on Twitter, um, give it a retweet, like, comment, subscribe to the Rotowire channel, all that good stuff. Uh, get us, uh, get us out there, spread it like a virus. We really appreciate it. Um, again, all of us on Twitter. I am at Real Chris Olson. Sean is at the DF Sniper, and Joe is at Sun Tzu. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for hanging out. Um, and if you guys don't have anything else to say, I will just say enjoy the fights, and we'll see you next time. Later, guys. Out.